Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. How's everybody doing tonight? I hope you said well. Had a good day, too. Starting Christmas decorating in the front yard. Got that going. It's that arduous. No matter how well you put away your Christmas lights, they're tangled. I don't care how how many times you do it, they're tangled. So I'm going through that right now. I swore up and down last year. I put them I put them down in a nice order in the storage box, and I pull them out today, and they're, it looks like the dogs got in there. They're everywhere. So it's going to be a mess the next few days. Lights everywhere. Anyway. My name is Charlotte. I am going to be your host for the next hour. This is the California Haunts Radio Show, and we come live for you from Sacramento, California. I am also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento. The cool part about it is we're 45 strong, and that means that uh, we're spread across the state of California. So if you have a paranormal issue that you need help with, shoot us an email, contact me on Facebook, wherever you need to do that, because we can get to you. You know, and sometimes California is a big state, okay? So sometimes it may take us a, a couple hours to get to you, but we, we have somebody within range that, that can come over and help, and we don't charge, okay? We're here just simply to help people. And my hat's on crooked again. Look at that. Forever. It's like I have a crooked head. There we go. Um, we don't charge. You know, we're just here to help people and, <clears throat> and educate people. So if, if you do, <clears throat> excuse me, if you have any issues like that, Contact us. Believe me, we're very thorough. We, you know, we, we look at everything. We look at everything. Anyhow, we got a great show for you tonight. And a quick reminder to everybody: if you're watching from Facebook and you haven't seen the show before, or this is, you know, or you're just kind of cruising in and out of the show, you're one of those stalker kind of people. I do that too. I call them shadow people. Uh, be sure, and, and, and you like what you hear. Be sure to uh, hit that like button and also. Hit that follow button because we're always looking for followers. We want to build up, build up, build up. Same thing with YouTube. We've got 450 videos over there. Something I think there's something for everybody sitting over there. But if you're watching tonight and you've never um, signed up to subscribe, tonight would be a good night to do it. So hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. There's that little ghost in the bottom right-hand corner uh, with the magnifying glass and the Sherlock Holmes hat on. And um, that's how you subscribe. Hit that button. Another little red button pops up, and there you are. Okay? If you're watching, if, if you're able to see this from Twitter, you know, all the more better. Check us out, okay? And that's another thing. Like and and come on over to Facebook or come, go on over to YouTube and subscribe. All right, all right. So tonight we got a great guest. I have something in common with her. She lived in a she lived in a haunted house. I still live in a haunted house, but she's like like I said in the intro. She took her experiences in that haunted house and put them to use in books that she writes. So it'll be fun talking to her, and it'll be fun talking to her about, you know, the 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 good side of the paranormal and the not so good side of the paranormal, because not everything you come in contact with is all roses, right? It's like this house. I just had one pass through this week, and uh, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a Middle Eastern man, so I have no clue if I picked him up somewhere, you know, along the way when I was out in my travels, or how this guy came through, because I have a um, I have a portal in my fireplace, so. Things come through, but usually they just pass through. You know, it's like I've, I've I've been in this house so long I can tell which ones belong here, like my deceased relatives and whatnot. I can tell when it's them, and because I'm so used to being here, 
I can tell when it's not one of them. And so the past few nights I've had this visitor. But it's all good. He hasn't been aggressive or anything, so he'll probably get bored and move on. But that's the risk of living in a haunted house. That's what we do, you know. And then I've been exhausted, obviously, because he's been around. Wipes me out. So anyway, my guest Lynn Hightower is here to talk about her experiences. And again, we're going to be talking. We're going to be talking ghosties tonight, good and bad. And we're going to be talking about about her books as well. So I'm going to go ahead and bring her on. Here we go. I see Jerry, Marisa, and Joy are in the room. All right, enjoy. Thanks for helping me out with, with a couple things this week. I appreciate it. Okay, here we go. Hello. Good evening. Hi. How are you doing, Charlotte? How are you? I'm actually quite awesome. Thank you. <laughs> cool. So tell me about you. Well, I mean, I wear jeans and tell lies for a living. Uh, which is why I'm a novelist. That's my skill set. That's about the only option for me. Um, you know, and I've always been a voracious reader and I could never stay in books because I read so fast. So I started my first novel in elementary school because um, I had to write one for myself. I could just never stay in enough books. Also, I like to write the story I wish somebody would tell me. Cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you lived in a haunted house, is that correct? Lived in two. Okay. What were those experiences like? You know, I'm very glad I don't live in those places anymore because whatever was there was, it, it wasn't like, uh, you know, a relative or someone you love that you feel close to, um, which I often have. Um, one of the, one of the houses was pretty terrifying. It was quite a beautiful house in a very old part of the city. Um, very haunted part of the city. And uh, we would hear um, just booming noises behind the walls, like somebody beating on something, which was really disconcerting. I would um, leave the house. There'd be nobody there. I'd come back and everything would have been taken out of my dresser drawers and just thrown on the floor. Okay. Which did not make me happy. Uh, my dogs, the whole time they were, we were there, never would come in the master bedroom, ever. Usually they slept on the bed. It was a very strange behavior. Um, and then I went down in the basement and found a jar labeled holy water. And I thought, this cannot be good, okay? So evidently the person that lived there before had had issues and maybe it had the house exercise and had holy water down in the basement. So I left it down there. So um, we lived there six months um, and it was a very beautiful, creepy place to live and it was never a comfortable place. And I was really glad when we left. Um, well, what do you think it was or who it was? You know, I didn't get a feeling it was a who. Oh, a what? I got a feeling it was something dark, but not connected to a person. Now it could have been wrong because uh, it was um, it was it was in a, a town that had been right at the edge of the west and right. there had been a serious hanging judge there and a lot of uh, cowboys had uh, been hung there. A lot of people had died there in not so pleasant ways and uh, so but it felt like something dark and nebulous, but not connected to a human being to me, which is what made it incredibly creepy. 
Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, what people don't understand, and I think because you've lived, you lived in a couple houses, is that you can tell, you can tell the difference between what I call the usuals and the ones that aren't your usuals because they, yeah. they're just not the same. I think there's a big difference. You know, um, I've talked to several exorcists, and what they all say is that 80% of their work is dealing with um, with houses that have dark, malevolent entities that are not related to ghosts or your traditional hauntings. Um, <laughs> pardon me. Yeah, that's my little. That's my little bodyguard. It's um, actually my big bodyguard. <laughs> and uh, and what they say is it's a completely different experience than a ghost, you know, that's attached to someone who is here and, and they've passed on, their energy is still here. Because, you know, as the quantum scientists will tell you, energy is never destroyed, right? Your body can die. But whatever is your consciousness and your energy just passes into another form. So that could explain a lot of haunted houses, but it doesn't explain the dark, uh, malevolent presence you can get in some places. So, how did the energy in that house feel to you? I mean, obviously, it felt like a dark, malevolent presence. Wow. And that's just the holy water down in the basement. Um, and, you know, it, it, the person that bought the house, too, after me uh, had left some things up in the attic. So he tracked me down through my, my author website and he said, hey, um, was that your holy water down in the basement when you moved in? I said, yes, it was. And I left it there. And he said, yeah, my wife's not too happy about that. <laughs> so I, I watch the house sometimes on Zillow and nobody ever lives there very long people it's so such a beautiful beautiful place and you just sort of get mesmerized and you fall in love with it and then you move in and then very creepy things start happening that's scary that's scary i don't know that too i got a i got a house in my neighborhood i'm not going to say where it's at but the these people you know when they get people in it they last four or five months and then they're gone so it's right. obvious it's obvious what's going on, even though obvious what's going on. And the neighbors, for some reason that, you know, that when we lived there, they were always very reticent. They wouldn't say anything. A couple of them had actually lived in the house and moved like on a different part of the street. And I would say, why'd you move? And they'd go, oh, we just thought we'd downsize some stupid lie. You know, I'm like, I don't think that's why you moved. I don't think that's why you moved. So, yeah. <laughs> do you think that when you bought the house that, that the realtor should have said something to you before you bought it uh she surely knew about it and i think she should have said something yeah i think people should be warned but then nobody would buy it right um, right well so and let's face it if there's a jar of holy water down in the basement i mean that's pretty it's pretty definitive that there are problems going on yeah there's always those weird, those I'm not gonna say weird people because I've been listening to my show, you know. But um, there's, always, there's always those people out there that, that that will buy something like that. I wouldn't. They're welcome to it. I I absolutely avoid it whenever possible. Um, it was such a haunted area that someone I know who's very uh, sensitive to that kind of thing called me. And I hadn't talked to him in months, and they said, "Are you are you looking at 
did you go look at houses yesterday? I said, yeah, how'd you know? She said, did you look at a yellow house with a, um, with a balcony wrapped all the way around it? I said, yes, it's so beautiful. She said, do not, do not buy that house. So it was a lot of houses in that neighborhood. It was a very haunted, it was just a very haunted city. It was in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And the ghosts there are thick on the ground, let me tell you. Yeah. So Absolutely. then you uh, moved out of this house. Was the next house haunted or how did you get into your second house? No. Um, the second house uh, was in Tennessee and, and my husband took a job there and it was um, it was for rent, and so we thought we would rent it for a year and then probably buy it, um, because uh, <laughs> we didn't connect it up at the time. But you know, people would buy it to flip it, and they'd have a terrible accident, and then it'd go to somebody else, and they'd have a stroke, and then go somebody else. And like, didn't add that up. Okay, <laughs> we moved in, and um, you know, for me, every house is like a love affair. I just always fall in love with a house when I move into it. And so I went in just madly in love and I think I woke something up um, and uh, it, it was very welcoming. So it didn't worry me, but then things started getting really weird. Um, we would be sound asleep and somebody, something would turn the water on full blast in the bathroom. Huh. That is not like a trickle of water, not like a leak. I'm talking about the faucet turned completely full blast, okay? That was pretty weird. Sometimes I would wake up and I'd get out of bed and I'd look and there'd be like a very strange puddle of water from no leak, nowhere, right beside the bed. Water was very weird in that house. Um, I would come home, pull up in the driveway, and we had a very pretty little room off the kitchen that had a lot of windows. And um, we had a, a little bistro table in there and we would eat in there or work in there. and Every time I would drive up and, and look in that window, I would see like it looked like somebody had been sitting there and I'd do a double take and they'd be gone. And then I'd be taking groceries and I'd still get a glimpse and I'd look and they'd be gone. OK, so. Um, so that was very, very uh, creepy and. Um, I could not stand to go down in the basement. I, I don't know what was down there, but the washer and dryer was down there and there was a. There was a, um, there were wine racks down there and uh, I couldn't stand to go down there. And when we decided to move and I would start, it didn't want us to leave, I don't think. Mm -hmm. And I would start packing boxes and stack them up. I'd turn around and the boxes would get shoved over and everything spilled out. And there was an incredibly creepy, oh my gosh, attic fan in a giant grill upstairs over the, um, over the hallway. Mm -hmm. And it freaked me out just to even look at it. I always just felt like there was something up there that watched me every time I walked by. And uh, and then um, I got, gosh, we were there 18 months, and I started getting sick, really sick, like I had the flu. And um, I was sick for just weeks and weeks. And, um, you know, we couldn't figure out what it was, and my husband was super upset and every night I would go to sleep but I wouldn't sleep I would sort of have this dream of the piper which is the book I was working on there that's and I was gonna make up supernatural things but I didn't have to it would just I just put in whatever's going on in the house put it right in the book and every night I would dream it like 
chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, night after night after night. So when I wrote the book, I didn't have to do structure work. I didn't have to figure out what happened next. I knew everything that happened. And then, you know, we decided, no, I don't think we're going to buy this house. I think we're going to go. <laughs> but I got a great novel out of it because the Piper is about phone calls from the dead, mm-hmm. which is actually a phenomenon. Have you heard of that? Have you oh, dealt with it at all? Yeah. And a lot of times it's very comforting. It's people mm-hmm. that you love that have passed on and, and they just tell you they love you. Sometimes they give you a warning. Um, and uh, I was shocked when I started researching that and I saw how real it was and how often it really does happen. The one story that got me related to that, that they actually showed on um, Paranormal 911 uh, for the ambulance crew when, when uh, the, the guy, it was the guy called 911 because his wife was having a heart attack. Uh-huh. And the paramedics got out there. They found out that the guy's dead. Oh, really? That's yeah. so interesting. And he called for help for her? He for his wife, yeah. Yeah. Um, there, was a, um, there was a terrible train wreck in California years and years ago. And um, one of the families of, of a man who was on the train, everybody in the family started getting calls from his mobile his kids, his stepkids, his wife, his ex-wife, everybody he loved. And, and they could hear his voice like back in the, off in the background, they could hear a lot of static. Mm-hmm. And so they kept calling the rescue crews and saying, listen, uh, he needs help. He's calling for help. He must be somewhere. You've got to find him. And then they figured out where he was and he was in the very first car. So as soon as the train hit, he was pretty much pulverized as was his mobile phone. He was gone, and the and the condo collapse in Florida recently. Mm-hmm. They had a family that kept getting called by their grandparents who had a condo there, on a landline, and they did the same thing. They went to the rescue people and say, "Listen, they're alive. They're calling. They're calling. We can't hear them, but they keep calling, and we can hear static. You got to find them." And they had died instantly, so they were just calling their family. That's that is so interesting to me because I had a friend talk to me about it when I was writing it. She said, you know, I've never told anybody this, but one and this is someone who believes in nothing supernatural whatsoever. Neither does her husband. And she said that uh, in the middle of the night, one night um, the phone rang and my husband picked it up and I heard him say, Mom. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I love you too. And she said, he hung up and she said, hey, that can't be your mom. She's been dead for years. And he said, I know, but it was her. And she just called to tell me she loved me, which, you know, it's kind of lovely. That is cool. That's very cool. I think that happens and people don't talk about it. Do you think, like you say, like you say, you think it happens, people don't talk about it. You think it happens quite a bit? I do. I think um, when people pass over, they are an energy form, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, the easiest thing for them to get hold of and to manipulate is tech. I mean, <laughs> if you talk to exorcists, they will say that whatever entity it is, they're going to exercise that day. They'll get texts. They'll get phone calls. Um 
anything that's mechanical, anything that's electrical gets messed with. And I think that's uh, supernatural. And I think it's science. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess you know, it's, it's a case where it's just like, I was just talking about there, how drained I get, like, like when there's one here and I don't know who it is or it doesn't belong here. It wipes me out. I'm sleeping for days afterwards because it just, the, the, they want that energy that they, they need that energy to sustain themselves. So they, you think they take your energy? Yes. yes. That's pretty scary. Yeah, to sustain. I wonder if that's why I got so sick when I was in that haunted house. I was thinking of that when you were talking about it. Yeah, because I would I would be so, you know, like I've been sick for weeks and we tried to go out to dinner and I could just barely sit up at the table. And my mm -hmm. husband said, I, I think I need to take you back home, you know. Um, yeah. So that's so interesting. I never See, really understood why I got so sick. But as that a ghost hunter, we call it a psychic hit. Say what? We call it a psychic hit is what we call it. And oh. like I've been yeah. in situations where I've been doing posts, you know, like, like they do on TV. You know, here's here's what happened at your house. Here's the EVPs. And I felt my, my stomach flip as I'm sitting there when something is going to me. And then the next day I'm out for the whole day. That's very interesting. So it's kind of like a psychic, psychic attack. In a way. Yeah, it's like a psychic attack. Mm -hmm. they don't so you know i don't know if it's deliberate or they just don't know they just don't know really what it does to you but to them they just want to feel that energy you know that that the warmth again of, of, of being a human being well you know if you if you if you listen to the to the, uh physicists you know they'll tell you that energy you know is attracted to energy and 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 comes together and um you know nothing exists that isn't observed but then you're observing right so mm -hmm. actually that makes a lot of sense now did you have any experiences when you were a kid or anything like that mm, no i was desperate to have a ghostly experience when i was a kid and it never happened the closest i came was um was uh my grandmother had this beautiful hutch in her dining room and late at night, when it was quiet, you could hear, you know, silverware and glasses clinking and the murmur of voices and laughter, and it, like uh, like a Thanksgiving family event or something. And so, you know, it's pretty cool. And um, I would, uh, you know, I asked her if she was scared, and she said, "No, why would I be scared? It's just family." <laughs> Um, you know, that got passed down to my great aunt. So I really wanted that hutch. But so that's well, it. If you were hearing stuff like that, you you do have some a little bit of ability there that's open. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people in my family have that ability. I know my mother did. She was also very psychic. She was very matter of fact about it. But if my mom said to you, don't go that way to school, go the other way. If, she, if if we ever got hurt or we were ever in trouble, she just showed up. She said, I knew you were I knew you were in trouble, you know. The downside of that was, you know, she could look at you and go, Oh my God, you're getting ready to run away from home and hop a train, Lynn. And then she'd look at my father and say, Talk her out of this. And it was like, but how did she know? I mean, I didn't tell anybody, but you know, she knew what you were up to. Can't um, pull a fast with our mom. I know, I know. So you were able to take these uh, experiences that you had and, and put them into your books. You, you have quite a few books out. It's impressive. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
No, I, I, I think that everybody is interested in supernatural things because it's mysterious and we don't understand it. And it's a big question. Is it real? What causes it? Is it a threat? Right. And it's scary, which makes for fun storytelling. Mm -hmm. But the best books that deal with the supernatural or horror use that as a vehicle to really entertain a reader, but also deal with, you know, serious issues of just being human um, that give the stories resonance, really the best ones do. Uh, so I, I think it uh, comes together to make fabulous storytelling opportunities. How do you get the ideas for your books? Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, you know, sometimes I'm just, I'll hear a bit of a story, um, like phone calls from the dead, mm -hmm. and at the same time, move right into a haunted house. So <laughs> I really feel like, you know. I'm laughing at you. I just know what it's like. <laughs> yeah, I just, I feel like uh, my stories are, are like entities all around me, and I just pull the threads and they come. Mm -hmm. Um I, uh, I'm doing a sequel to the Enlightenment Project. Um, and I decided I was going to write about uh, a real house that exists somewhere that someone I know lived in, which is not haunted by a ghost, but is absolutely, in my opinion, infested with some kind of dark presence that is absolutely terrifying you know, what they said about that place. I, I was talking to them while they lived there. They moved in and was out in the countryside and it was beautiful out there. And, um, you know, and they would say, oh, uh, this is what's happening now. Um, the dog keeps, every time we open the door, the dog runs away and we have to drag him back. He doesn't want to be in the house. Mm -hmm. And um, I kept hearing my husband talk to me and then I'd go in and he'd say, I wasn't talking to you. And then we'd be in the same room and then we'd both hear the voices. And um, and it was, everything they went through was so terrifying. And I said, you, they were this there six weeks and I'd be getting my, you got, you've got to get out of that place. You know, you've got to move, you've got to go. So they did, they did. Do you think because you've had your experiences and, and having like, like abilities that run in your family, and mm -hmm. this might be a stretch, but do you think that, that that's how you're, getting ideas for your books and the help you're getting to write these things? Oh gosh, that's a scary thought. <laughs> you mean <laughs> something dark wants to be written about? I don't know. Um, I don't feel like uh, I'm, I keep, um, I'm not open to that. Okay. Something dark influencing. Okay. Sure. I'm absolutely not open to that. Uh, if it's not real, I'm safe. And if it is real, I absolutely have a complete barrier to it. And I absolutely am not open to that. But I am open to the storytelling. Basically, I'm just super curious about this stuff. And I'm always trying to figure it out. Plus, I love a good ghost story. Absolutely. Know, absolutely. absolutely. So have you been out on ghost hunts at all? I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Have you been out on any ghost hunts or anything like that? No, I haven't. It, um, uh, it's a fascinating thought. I would love to do... Uh, I haven't even been on a ghost walk. Um, however, if I'm out walking, I know where the places are. There you go. I mean, I'll walk by certain houses and go, mm -mm, 
don't know what's going on there, but I'm crossing to the other side of the street. You know, I'll get a sense of, of a place I don't want to be. Um, <laughs> actually, my husband and I looked at a rental house once and um, we walked in and we both looked at each other and said, no. And we turned around, just ran, I mean, we just went ran into the car. I don't know what was in there, but it was so horrible just standing in this very cute little cottage. And, uh, and I kind of wanted to look around and he just takes my arm and says, no, we are going to the car. <laughs> so, and he was very pragmatic. He didn't seem open to any of that, or he just took it in stride, but we both walked in and looked at each other and said, uh-uh, this place is bad. I think you just know. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I remember years ago, I was doing an investigation for a newspaper and we were in this old building and they had like a place where you had to walk upstairs and it was real dark. You know, when you looked in and I took one look and I just went, nope not going not unless I have two or three people with me I'm not going up those stairs because sometimes you just know right so and um I think the gut brain is pretty smart and the intuition is pretty smart and I think that uh, the older I get the more I completely pay attention to that um and when you get a bad feeling about a place nobody has to explain it to you you know you absolutely know now, after having those experiences in the two houses, when you started to look for some place to live, did you sit down with the realtor and go, look, I've had these experiences over in these other places. You know, you're going to have to be up front with me or how did that work? No, what I do is <laughs> two things. I always get, you know, of course, I'm prone to falling in love with a place. I get something, some houses just dazzle you, okay? Um, and then I ask uh, someone I know who senses that kind of stuff i said okay come check it out i don't want to go anywhere where there's anything i just i would rather make it up i do not want to live in it and mm -hmm. um so now i have that person check my houses because for some reason if something's there i'm going to pull it in okay and it's going to come out and i don't want to do that so right. i have somebody in there check it out for me how long does it take you to write a book just offhand um, a year is luxurious. Nine months is moving pretty fast, but you know, so, um, usually as I am writing one book, I have an idea for the next one and I'm doing a little bit of research for it so that when the other one's packed off to the editor, I can hit the ground running with the new one and get the actual writing done in nine months because I've probably been mulling it over for three while I finished up the last one. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now being a, a former journalist, you're a note taker. So I could just imagine what your research is like and what you take home with you. Oh yeah. I, I you know, I'm look at this book, look at all the notes that I'm writing, just a book that I'm reading. And it's, you know, it's and, and I, um, I wish I had a more organized system, but if you look at my shelves back there, you see what a, stacks and wrecks and the problem with notes is i'll know i've written them and i can never find them so that <laughs> drives me completely insane and you'd think i have a better system and now i just write directly in the book i was looking at so that i have it right there in that book i don't just take notes to the side i've tried every possible method none of them work i have a question for you too mm -hmm. because journalists we're trained to write everything in in, in small concise paragraphs mm -hmm. was it hard for you to go into writing books in that you know in that particular format because i mean when, when i try to write my book it drives me insane writing these lovely big old paragraphs i just ugh. 
No, not at all. Not at all. Because I can hear it. Okay. You know, I can hear the story. I can hear the voice of the character. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm just like pulling and seducing and enticing this character. And I hear it in my head and I write it down. In addition, I write, and you might try this if that's your issue. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. Try also writing your first draft by hand. There is a very uh, neurologically proven creative loop between the tactile um, input you get from the pen in your hand and the words forming on the page. Mm-hmm. And your thought process, and it, and it makes a loop, and the timing is perfect that you think and write. And I always do that because my first drafts are always just, I, I can tell a difference between something I composed at a keyboard and something I wrote by hand. So you might want to try that. I think I will. Thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah, because that's my biggest issue is trying to put my mind, wrap my mind around those big paragraphs. Well, Write short paragraphs. Okay. All right, short paragraphs and short chapters. And um, basically, you're. I think every novel has a music, and you're going to hit a rhythm with your story. So if at first you don't get it, don't worry about it. The rhythm will come. So don't stress about it because the story will come and the rhythm will come. You just have to, you just have to hit your stride with it. To be honest, give yourself. People don't realize, you know, you say, okay, I'm a Joe Gill, you're a writer, but it's different. You know, it's completely different from writing like a novel or, or a book. It's, com- it's a completely different animal. It's completely different. Like 500 words, you know, and you're, you know, so it's hard to make the transition for some people. No, it is. It's very different mindset. Short story, novel, screenplay, nonfiction, um, journalist article. It's a completely different mindset, and you have to find a way to get back into that zone mm-hmm. right yeah mm-hmm. so what do you say to people that might that, that, that might be living in a haunted house and they really didn't know they were they were in it till it's too late uh i would say that you know what you know okay mystery is not disproof okay so uh you know if it's okay to coexist with what's there Mm -hmm. and you know if it's not you know one of the hardest things when you're writing a novel about a place like that is everybody says well why don't they just leave right because that sounds so easy and you have to deal with that as a novelist so that you convince your reader but in real life why don't you just leave well you got a mortgage you got to sell it you got a budget you got to find somewhere else to live. And it's not as easy, you know, as you might think. But I, I do think that if you feel bad about a place and it feels wrong to you and the energy feels wrong to you, get out. You know, I, I don't think you should stay. Uh, but I also think that a lot of times there's something that can coexist and that the and you don't feed it and give it your attention or you give it as little attention as possible. Uh, to kind of keep it down you know we would in that haunted house where i was writing the piper we'd be sound asleep and then the bedroom lights would go on and then off and then on and then off and then i'd sit up and say stop it 
and then they go back off and then I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have talked to it. Now I've engaged. And it was like, okay, I'll turn them off. All you had to do is ask. And I'm like, no, that's not what I meant to do. <laughs> Why do you think, well, I can understand some place like Gettysburg, you know, being, being active. But like yeah. these these different residential areas, why do you think there's so there's so many hot spots out there? Oh, um, because there's so much energy out there. I mean, let's face it. What is it? Seventy two percent of the energy of the world is dark matter. Mm -hmm. uh, what might dark matter be? That's kind of an interesting thing, and nobody knows, right? Right. So novelists have a lot of opinions on what dark matter might be. Um, but no, I think there's quite a bit of it out there. And there's some people that don't feel it, don't see it, don't notice it. Okay. They're absolutely not attuned to it, uh, which is not a bad thing. Right. Um, and then there's just some people that are, and they're going to, they're going to have a lot more experiences than anybody else. Cause now that I'm counting it up, yeah, I've lived in three haunted houses. So that's wow. kind of a pretty high number. Yeah. Well, I mean, out of the three, were there any good experiences at all in the houses as far as the hauntings went? Did I have any? What kind of experiences? Any good experiences. I mean, because sometimes you, you run into ghosts that, 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 that are okay. You know what I mean? They're not. Um, yeah, I know what you're saying. Nothing. Um, well, you know, when I first moved into the house where I wrote The Piper, it didn't worry me, that presence I got, mm -hmm. because it felt friendly and welcoming and like it was glad that I left the house. It was only when we decided we were not going to stay and we were going to move that things turned completely around and it was like angry. Okay. And the, um, the third or fourth time I had the boxes knocked over, I sat down and I said, now look, I'm late. You know, this is probably dumb. I'm leaving and you can't stop me. Just right, Lynn, just throw out the gauntlet like that, right? I said, but someone else will come and someone else will love this house and you will be okay. Mm -hmm. and so that eased it up a little bit. But, I mean, if it's not, uh, if, if it's something you can live with, uh, that's fine. But I, I haven't had anything that I could live with, mm -hmm. okay, uh, that I felt comfortable with. And, um you know, I mean, I won't say I don't feel the presence of people I love, but it's not connected to a house. Okay. It's connected to me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then like a lot, like, like, like we said earlier, you, you take the stuff that's happened to you and you put, you put it into these books you write, which is terrific. Yeah. And you know, it's, uh, you don't have to make it up and people are like, whoa, how did you even come up with that? I'm like, well, I was sitting in the house one night. Okay. <laughs> and it really happened. I mean, who could make a, I would, I, I know I put that jar of holy water in the basement in one of the books. I'm not sure which one. I think maybe the Piper, but I would have never thought that up. Okay. And what a horrible feeling it is to look at a jar in a basement of a house you just bought and went and read holy water on it. You're like, oh no, this is not good. It's not a good sign. No, no, not a good feeling. Mm -mm. Not a good sign. No. So looking back on all the experiences, how do you really how do you really feel about them? That's interesting. As much as I love the books I got, I could have done without them. Okay. okay. Like if I had it, if I knew going in what was going to be there, 
No, I wouldn't have gone. Okay. Mm -mm. Absolutely. Do yeah. you get creeped out writing this stuff? Because you're obviously writing about what you experienced. Do you, do you get creeped out enough to think, well, maybe I'm going to drop back in to, you know, while I'm putting this stuff? Oh, down yeah. There? Yeah, I do. Um, and, uh, but, you know, you have autonomy over your soul and uh, you get to say no. Um, but I absolutely do get scared and creeped out when I'm, you know, and if I'm writing late at night, you're just, you know, drive past my house and like, whoa, every single light in that house is on. Every single light is on. And it's also very nice to have a very big dog. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll tell you, you know, there have been times I've been writing with her beside me and she'll just be sound asleep. And then she'll jump up and she'll start growling at something over my shoulder. And I'm like... Yeah, I don't know what you see, but she she runs through the house, chases it off, does a patrol of the backyard, comes back, gets on the bed and says, it's all good now. Took care of it. I'm like, I don't know what you just took care of, but good girl. Thank you. Here's a treat. <laughs> see, I always wonder what happens when I'm not here because. Well, well that's a good question. He couldn't have been eight or nine years old. This kid, he walked by and the neighborhood knows I'm a ghost hunter. But the little kid walks up to me. I'm unloading groceries and he goes. You have ghosts. Really? Not you're a ghost hunter. You have ghosts. So I'm thinking, I wonder what goes on when I'm not here. Are the doors open? Yeah, up? I mean, you can put the camera up, but uh, <laughs> yeah, because I went into a uh, very haunted school recently. Mm -hmm. um, and this place was just horrible and the things that go on there are terrifying and um it's a school kids go there during the day the teachers never stay past dusk none of them do and there are cameras in all all over the school and we were there it was starting to get you know it was dark we should have gone but we were it was dark and we were looking at the cameras and the act, having camera views all over the school is really creepy because you see something and we're like, what, what is that in the cafeteria? And we're like, I don't know. Should we go look? And I'm like, no, I don't think we should. I think we <laughs> because the cafeteria was deep down the corridors back in the back. And I'm like, I don't want to go back down there. I don't like what I'm seeing on the, can't quite tell what's there, you know, on the camera, but it's moving and it seems to be connecting. And I, I think we should just go. So we went. I'm good. I'll pass. Yeah. <laughs> I like your energy. You're funny. <laughs> you have to do it with a sense of humor or, or you'll be terrified. I mean, that's oh, yeah. I, mean. I can, I can be terrified and have a sense of humor, but no, I don't want to No, that school is, is a quite terrifying place. And, um, you know, I talked to one of the teachers there who no longer stays there after dark. And I, I said, uh, you know, what's the scariest thing that has happened to you? And she said, well, I take my pit bull with me when I go after hours, but now I don't go in the dark. But one night I was working very late and there was nobody else in the school. And um, I kept hearing knocks at the door. You know, she'd had her door shut and she'd look, there'd be nothing. And there'd be an automatic light that would come on in the hallway, you know, when you open the door. Mm -hmm. And so um, then she heard a big boom on the door and the dog started barking. And she said, okay, that's it. I got to go home. 
So she grabs her stuff and she grabs her dog and she opens the door and the light does not come on. Wow. And she said, there was something right beside me, like close enough to touch me. I could smell it. I could sense it. And my dog was going nuts. She said, I just dropped my stuff and we ran. And I don't know, the thought of being in a dark hallway deep inside a school mm-hmm. with something that's like close enough to touch you and it's completely pitch dark. Yeah, that's pretty terrifying. That's very terrifying. And, you know, all of the teachers have their stories. Nobody goes there after dusk unless it's a new teacher who isn't in on the information. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think the welcoming crew should tell them. And, but the thought of something that close that she could sense and feel, um, that just horrifies me. It horrifies me. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't sleep in the dark. I don't like the dark. I'm a ghost center. I don't. You don't. I bet you don't. <laughs> the TV's on. The lights are on. I do not. Well, I do not don't you get? Do you get scared living there in your haunted house? Sometimes, especially it doesn't bother. You know, like you say, you know, when you know who's here, which is fine. The normal, what I call the normals. Mm-hmm. It's like this one that comes through this week. This this uh, Middle Eastern gentleman. I have no clue who this guy is. That's that's the stuff that scares me because I watch him play with my dog. Like last night he played and your with dog's my dog. Okay with that? Your dog's okay with being played with like that? Apparently, didn't bother in the least. That's uh, to me that would be a good sign if my dog was okay with it. Right, my that's dog. Why I've been kind of good with it, but I've I have brought negatives home with me. I mean, I can tell you know I, to the point where I have like a wall to, uh, through the wall air conditioner, a big one. And I'm sitting there watching TV one night, and something tore the front off the air conditioner and threw it clear. Just threw it through two rooms. That's terrifying. And at that point, I know it's something that doesn't belong here. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think I'd be happy with that because it wouldn't feel like you know, like a family ghost where they're just hanging out. It would be something mm-hmm. that just wandered in. I'm not up for strangers like that. Or the whispers. That's why the TV's got to be on. I don't want to hear the whispers. Do you hear whispers? I do. So that is, uh, that's a pretty common phenomenon. I've heard other people say that. And in that horrible place I'm writing about, yeah, a lot of whispers, a lot of whispers. Um, that's pretty scary. This is so scary. Beating on the door when nobody's there. That's terrifying to me. That's absolutely terrifying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So once you start writing your book, like you say, it, it, it takes about a year to, to, to write one. Once you get all your research amassed, how do you find a place to start? Because you've got all this research piled up. Oh, I don't. I don't. I don't um, so I think it's very easy to box writers in and say, first you do your research, then you do your planning, then you do your writing. Right. And in truth, and, and they always try to divide novelists into planners and pansters. Right. But in truth, we are both at the same time. So I research, I write, and I plan, and I might be doing it all in one day. Okay. And, um, and of course, the research is everywhere. Um, it's in my head. It's in stacks of books. It's in stacks of articles. Printed out stacks of articles saved to my uh, laptop. Um, I, keep having, I keep having a really weird problem with... Um, some of my exorcism articles mm-hmm. because they they won't print 
they get corrupted. I try to get them and then they're, and they won't. And it's like, print it real quick before whatever weird thing is corrupting. This is going to get it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or just take quick notes. Um, that's been a fairly consistent, weird problem. Uh, so I just um, try and print it or write down my notes really fast before it gets so snarled up I can't get to it. Absolutely. I had an issue like that. Um, we were filming our TV, because we used to have a TV show, the lo lo local public access TV show, mm -hmm. California Haunts. That's how we started. Mm -hmm. And we did the Woodland Opera House one, one, one oh, year. A haunted Opera House. I love that. <laughs> I remember there's this one um, ghost at the opera house that was like a stage manager. He controlled everything there, and he he would give he didn't like people poking around. But there we were with our cameras, you know, and doing that thing. And I remember coming home and I had a stack of um, you know recorded tapes sitting there that I was editing out. And I watched as the tapes. I got up to go grab a drink of water, and as I got up, and I didn't bump the table. I was like five feet away from the table. Every tape went flying. Ah. Uh. Yeah, that's scary. That's and then he would cause me audio problems where my audio would be on one channel but not on the other. Uh, I bet. I yeah. bet. That electronic stuff, they always mess with the electronic stuff. Photos would get lost, you know. So I finally had to sit down with him and go, look, I'm trying to you know, make the place in a good light. I'm not going to say anything negative about your place. It's all good. So let me back off. Yeah, but that's, that's, just that's interesting that you could just do that and yeah. say, listen. Yeah. yeah yeah but as far as the ones you're talking about about exorcism i can see that i can see something blocking that yeah, because i kept thinking why do i keep having troubles with it's always this subject it's always this mm -hmm. thing and I, I would get to where i would know it was going to happen so i would just try and print it up real quick or get what i could on it or you know try mm -hmm. and get it one way or the other mm -hmm. i had a friend tell me that she, she's writing a book another book right now and she told me the way she does is, is she keeps a, a regular blog so it's like a diary kind of thing so then she's able to take those and then incorporate them into what she's writing so it's less work for her to write because mm -hmm. we're already there i just prefer to write directly the the novel rather than the blog but you know everybody's process is different i respect mm -hmm. any process i just have mine and it changes from it can change from book to book mm -hmm. um but um, for some reason, I do find knowing this chaos is here and this chaos is there, and I have a sense of where what I need is, or um, or I'll just redo the research. But I do so much research that I just get a sense of what I need and what I need to know. And sometimes I'll do um, just a page of beats, mm -hmm. quick fact things I need to know. Did you always... Um have an imagination as a kid oh yes yeah, well while most children had an imaginary friend i had an imaginary enemy that i was always in competition with <laughs> i'm sure that's quite abnormal um oh yeah um making up stories um gosh the day i ran home and told my mother there was a mummy in the woods i saw something and i just decided that's a mummy right and um you know, as usual, they sent my big brother out with me to see what was really going on. And I had him almost convinced I am the best liar in the world. I, if I tell you the truth, you might or might not believe me. But if I tell you a lie, you will 100% believe me. So cool. I was pretty good at that. Yeah. 
Cool, cool, cool. That's what I was wondering because you you have all these books out. So I mean, the ideas have to come from somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I have tons of fabulous ideas. I never am at a loss for ideas. A lot of times, um, it's an emotion and a point I want to make that drive that's very important to me. Um, mm -hmm. That drives me through the book. You know, one point of the Piper believe it or not, came from reading Wendell Wendell Berry's essays in his book, The Unsettling of America. And it got me thinking about how I'd moved around quite a bit growing up and moved around quite a bit afterward. And I was very homesick and I wanted to go back home. And I thought that was weak. And then I read his book and it's like, no, it's not. It's normal to want to be home and to want your family and your community. And we are so brainwashed by our culture that you got to go out, you got to move, you got to leave everything behind. And so really the Piper is not just about phone calls from the dead, which are your family. It's about um, going back home if you want to, and there not being anything wrong with that. So usually there's some idea like that that's driving the book in the middle of what I hope is a really fun story. That's a, it's interesting. It's interesting to, to hear what a writer, how a writer does things, you know, because I, like yeah. I said, I've got one book that's been sitting there for a couple of years because I have to go back and forth to it because I'm freelancing and doing all this other stuff. Oh, yeah, because you lose your momentum. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear different techniques so that maybe I can apply some of those to what I'm doing to help me progress with this book, you know, a lot easier. One thing, and one thing I'd suggest to you is the hard thing about and we are all living in real life and sometimes we have to set a book down and go back to it. Mm -hmm. um, but if it is at all possible for you to like two times a week, write three pages, something very doable to set yourself up for success, mm -hmm. that will keep your momentum going. It will keep the book in your head. It might help you get, you know, so you don't have to just rehash and restart all over again. That's just, um, that's a technique I tell a lot of the writers I work with. Yeah, you've got a full-time job. You've got kids. Uh, you're writing in real life. Instead of beating yourself up, set very doable goals. If you do two pages three times a week, you'll have a first draft by the end of the year. That's a pretty doable thing. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Yes, yes, that makes a lot of sense. And I do have time for at least twice a week. Yeah. Um, talking about this book that you're writing about, this, this, this haunted house, how did you find out? I mean, did the people come to you? She's a friend of yours, or how yeah, they were friends, and they were. I knew they were moving to this beautiful place in the country that they were so excited. About. Okay, okay. I was just like, we were be how's it going? How's it just like it's not going well? It's not going well at all. And they could, you know, they would need people to come out and do work on the house, and they'd come in and go, oh yeah, we're not going in there. Why? We don't go in that house. You need to get out. Everybody said that to them, all in the community, everybody that knew where they were. They wouldn't say why. They wouldn't go into detail. They just go, you need to get out. I mean, they did. <laughs> uh, it's it's so weird because even if you don't believe in this stuff, right? you know, it believes in you if you're in that house. And, uh, you know, one of the, there was a very pragmatic, I don't believe in it and we need to get out. Yes. Whatever it is, we need to get out. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. And there's so many factors that can be involved in this stuff too. 
It may not even be someone that died in the house. It could be it could be someone that died on the land. It could be something attached to the land that's just waiting for the right person to move into that house. And then the activity starts. Anybody out. that moves into that house is the right person for whatever is there. Blimey. Whoa. I think it's I don't think it's like a ghost or like a ghost that's trying to find its way home or it's disturbed. I think it is something very dark. Wow. Yeah, it's gotta be attached to the land somewhere. Just waiting. Waiting for the right storm. I have my theories. I have my theories. <laughs> so have you had the chance to go out there or are you just writing it based on what they're telling you? I'm writing it based on what they're telling me and on the pictures they took. Okay. Um, I'm still going back and forth on whether I should go out there, but I know that um, I can attract things and I'm like, well, I won't feed it. I won't you know, invite it. And then I had somebody, I know a friend of mine, he says, Lynn, you will go out there with your little notebook and your phone taking pictures and you're absolutely fascinated. That is an invitation, whether you mean it to be or not. And I'm like, oh, very good point. I also would have to do it alone because I would not, I don't want those friends of mine to go back there. It was very bad for them and they're clear of it now. And I wouldn't take my dog because I'm very protective of her. So I would be going by myself. That's I'm not bad. sure how I feel about that. You can't go. Yeah, never go by yourself ever. But you, you can inadvertently take stuff home too without realizing it. You can. I think also that you can just, you know, wrap yourself in the white light of protection and ward that kind of thing off. Right. I think we have a lot more autonomy and a lot more help than we, um, than we realize. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think we have a lot more personal power and ability to say no, then we realize. Mm -hmm. um, and I definitely have that ability to say no. You don't plan on moving again, do you? <laughs> no, I, um, you know, I live in a little Victorian cottage. Cause see, that's another thing. I love really old houses. Okay. So a lot of them come <laughs> with really old ghosts, uh, but this one is clear and it's full of, just beautiful energy in this house. You know, it's like uh, when my husband and I walked in, we looked at each other and said, yes. Like that other place we looked at each other and said, no. We walked in here and we looked at each other and said, yes. And um, and I've moved around so much and it finally occurred to me that like I could just stay in one place and travel. Be so much easier than moving. So I really love this little place. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. So uh, what what's your next project then? Is it that haunted house book or what? It is. It's the Haunted House book. I'm working on it right now. Uh, for some reason, uh, these days, I'm waking up between 3.30 and 4 a.m. Uh-oh. No, just wide awake and ready to write. So go. I get a cup of coffee and curl up with puppy and work on the book, you know, three or four hours and then get up and have a regular day. That's good, though. I like that. I prefer doing stuff late night like that, too. Yeah, I don't, I, you know... It's really odd. Um, and I was telling a friend of mine that, and he says, no, there's something weird about 3.30 to 4.30 a.m. There's some kind of thing where you're in sync with the universe, with your creativity. Who knows? It's a great theory. And um, all I can tell you is that I love it. That's not like me to want to get up so early, but it's like, no, I wake up and I'm ready to go and I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. How can people find you? 
they can find my website at uh, com. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on um, Instagram. Um, and on all my social media, you'll see mainly my dog. And she's quite cute. <laughs> and also a little bit of, you know, of uh, oh, shows I'm doing and podcasts I'm doing or scary things that are happening. Fair enough. Lynn, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate Thanks it so much. much. Mm -hmm. I've been wanting to get you on for a long time. Yeah. Have you? Yeah. yeah. I'm delighted to be here. So uh, hopefully uh, when your new book comes out, let's chat some more. How's that sound? I would love to do it when my new book comes out. I'm going to have so many things to tell you about. Okay. So this book is, I am pulling out all the stops on this one. It's going places I never even imagined. So Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. I appreciate it again. Thank you. Okay. All right. You have a good evening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, that was really fun, you know. And I got to pick her, I got to pick her brain a little bit about writing because yes, I am writing a book about my paranormal adventures. You know, um, starting out a skeptic, even though I had experience as a kid, right? Starting out, you know, as you get older, sometimes you lose that stuff. I lost it, and it came back later on. But starting out as a skeptic, being a journalist, in fact, I was working with crime and courts beats, so I was really, really skeptic about stuff. And then, as the more I got into ghost hunting, the more I believed that there, there is something going on out there. I mean, truthfully, truthfully. Anyway, tomorrow we're shifting gears. Dr. Scott Taylor is with us. He's going to be talking about shared NDEs. That'll be our usual time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. But I want to thank you all for coming. In fact, I'm going to look at your names here. I'm blind. Remember that? Jay, I called you Joy earlier. I'm sorry. <laughs> it looks like it looks like it to me. But thank you for your assistance and in, in, in some of the errors I made this week. I appreciate it. Uh, Jerry, Marisa, and whoever, and everybody else that listened tonight, because I know you're out there, and everybody on the podcast, thank you very much for listening. And uh, like I said, tomorrow, Dr. Scott Taylor will be with us to talk about shared NDEs. Now, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you despise the show, share it with five of your enemies, because I am equal opportunity. I figure everybody should everybody should either like it or, or, or suffer from it. So uh, please do share it with your buddies. Uh, there's a new way to find us on YouTube. You can go to youtube.com forward slash ampersand at California Haunts Radio. And the C, the H, and the R is capitalized. Again, you can find us on Facebook. Just type in California Haunts and you will find us. It'll, all our pages will pop up. And you can find me on Instagram under Ghosty Gal, uh, all lowercase. All right. So anyway, I'm going to give you uh, Lynn's, Lynn's contact information and show a few of her books so that you can search those out and then i want to take off here um oh yes the ticker at the bottom my pbs moment since california haunts since i own it uh we don't take money to investigate we like i said we do it just to help people to to teach them about the paranormal and to see if we you know if they have something negative to try and help them out with that and things like that so uh if you could if, if, if you could find it in your heart to help me keep the show on the air keep the group going that would be great not a lot you know just just a little bit uh, you can do that at paypal.me at California Haunts or Venmo at California Haunts. You know, I've got bills to pay just like the internet and if a computer dies or equipment dies, I have to I have, I have to pay for it out of pocket. So the, that would be terrific. I, I would really appreciate it. And I know you guys that have been listening for a long time. We've been, we've been in this format for three years. We spent 10 years at Blog Talk Radio, doing it via Blog Talk Radio. And, you know, it's just expenses, expenses, expenses. And I know, I know everything's tight for everyone. But anyway, I'm going to shut up about that. And again, I will show you Lynn's contact information. Let me get, get, 
get my little buttons pushed. And then you guys, uh, I will I'll see you tomorrow. So here we go. That's the website at www.linhightower.com. And we're looking at Satan's Lambs, The Piper. Just a, just a few few books here. And she's got a lot more than these books, I'll tell you. Alien Blues, The Enlightenment Project. High Water and No Good Deed. And again, there's even more books that you can peruse as well. And of course, you can get those at Amazon or possibly on our website. Okay, well, I will see you guys tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Dr. Scott Taylor, Shared Near-Death Experiences. See you later.